1: And welcome back, everybody, to another episode of Bum on the Bat Flip, episode 149. Going kind to of continuing our preview, reviews of the positions around fantasy baseball to get you ready. As we are on March 6th now, grooving into draft season. It's not there's still DCs going on, Let's it, we're almost in full fab mode here pretty soon. Uh so tonight, relief pitchers, middle infielders. Last uh, episode, we had catchers and corner infielders, so we'll get you going around the diamond but before we get there you can find me on twitter at bdn and my co-host is always on twitter at bat crazy toby how we doing my friend
2: doing well bubba we're getting there you know it's early march right now but by the time we reconvene it'll be mid-march and then you know we're like less than three weeks away from from vegas so pretty exciting a nice time i'm enjoying some of the slow drafting like not actually enjoying it you know as in like enjoying it but like you know it's nice to kind of roll through a few of these to get to feel a little bit more prepared for the play, player pool um yeah and kind of go from there
1: 100 uh we have barf this saturday which is going to be awesome we got our uh, draft and of course we're drafting next to each other again toby it's like a tradition like any other it's did crazy. you
2: did you set your kds to do that or did, did you just get screwed
1: yeah, a little bit of both. Like uh, what did I get? 14th or 15th, something like that. Um basically that was like my eighth or ninth choice. Okay. So it wasn't like my premier option, premium option, but uh yeah, that that's what happens. So yeah, yeah, fun stuff there. I've been going six to one and then like nine, ten, eleven, twelve, whatever. I do So maybe fifteen was one of my last choices now. I think about it. So yeah, not not what I wanted. No. Yeah, okay. I'm not well, liking the back. I'm I don't sorry. like the back end. I don't like the back end based on that round three, round four, I feel like I missed out on a lot that you can get on the uh, other side of things. Mm-hmm. So yeah. It's a big, big difference. Yeah, it'll be
2: interesting to see in the, sec- the third, fourth, yeah, what gets there, you know. Um, it was actually my number five choice for KDS this time around, but I was 14th. I got 14th selection. Um, it feels like maybe this was biased against us. Yeah, I don't I know. If, uh, Justin pulled something, you know, with NFBC and, and screwed us both over with the KDS. I don't know if we've done something to upset him, but um, you know, the fact, what are the odds that that we'd get our 14th and 15th choice here? Yes. But um, yeah. I, I have not uh, drafted from the very back. Um, so I I intentionally had it up there pretty high. So I got nice. a little give lucky you, there.
1: We'll give you a nice practice in case that uh, lands that way in Vegas for you. So you'll have a an idea.
2: Yeah. It's, it's hard to, I'm trying to think about where I'm going to be. I, I really don't know. Um, I may end up just being in the middle because it feels like I'm at least in the middle, you know? Yeah. So <laughs>
1: It's the, it's the spot I've been liking the most pretty much. Uh, that, that middle area, definitely not having to reach as much. And it's a, uh, it's been kind of a nice little groove to, to get into and in draft. So We'll see how it goes. Obviously, a lot can change as the uh, ADPs continue to change. Guys like Jordan Walker go nuts and everything else happens and injuries everywhere. And there's so much fun all around baseball. So that's when we do these reviews of the previews of the positions to see how things have changed um, throughout the last month to two months since we talked about some of these positions. And let's start with relief pitchers, Toby. And uh, the top five in relievers at the time of making this outline was Edwin Diaz, Emmanuel Classe, Josh Hader, Jordan Romano, and Devin Williams. Anything really changing to you out of those big five, or is there uh, something that stands out to you?
2: Um, not not necessarily. I mean, I think um, with the top five, so I actually I got Diaz in, in a draft um, in one of my DCs um, in round two, I got him, and then i I was in a similar position in TGFbi and I got Class A. Um, at least I think that's what I did um yeah I definitely did because I've only done two drafts so it has to be your three I guess at this point um and part of that was just like diversifying a little bit um I think also part of that though is I think I might like class a, a little bit more um you know I just think when we broke it down last time the the saves I think is one one story you know because I think class a is very clearly like the ninth inning guy and Diaz very clearly is the high leverage guy. And it's, you know, and while that's not a huge deal, right? It's like, I mean, is Diaz going to get 30 saves? Probably, you know, will Klaus get 35? Probably. Um, so it's not a huge difference, but I do like that. And I just think from a profile perspective, his 70% plus ground ball rate um, with some of the skills that he was showing at the end of the year makes me feel like it's just a little bit, it makes me feel a little bit better about, you um, you know we've seen diaz have some you know not bad seasons but not his best seasons and cost has been pretty consistent throughout so again splitting hairs at this point either one should be could be a top closer but i think i'm leaning a little bit towards class a right now if i had to had to draft um how yeah, are you feeling about those two
1: it's funny you mentioned that because i've I've kind of – it's been either or for me in drafts. It kind of almost depends on how I feel that day when I'm picking because it's it's a lot of what you're saying. Do I want, like, the strikeout upside of one versus the saves upside of the other? And the improvements Class A has made has been outstanding. And in the back of my mind, I'm like, yeah, Diaz, like you said, he's done it before, and then he's, like, hit the wall, then he's done it again. Like, there's so many things. And then at and the same time, the Mets should be a very, very good team. That's very clear where Cleveland – they should be good. We don't know. You know. It's Cleveland. They could go a million different directions, but they should be pretty good. So it's a tough one. I think I looked at my player shares uh, on Sunday, and I have like I have like three or four Diaz's and three or four Closses. It's almost like pretty even around the two. But I, I try to – that's one thing. If I have like the back end there, I'm almost trying to hope one of them falls to me. Usually they're gone by round three and four, especially in a 15-teamer. But um, it's a nice spot. That's another reason why I like kind of that early – pick, middle pick. You can get one of these two guys feel a lot better about life type situation. But uh, I'm, I'm with you on the idea that Classe has grown on me a lot more than maybe two months ago when it seemed like Diaz was the clear-cut one. It's always been 1A, 1B for me, but Diaz felt like the the, the sure 1A where I think Classe definitely deserves the argument to be the 1A. and uh, We'll have to kind of wait and see how that one plays out, obviously, when the season happens. For um, sure.
2: Yeah, and it's been over two minutes of the podcast and I haven't mentioned the spreadsheet yet. Um decent, so I just wanna I just decent. wanted to I just wanted to mention that the spreadsheet does have Diaz ahead by a, a little over a dollar. So um do with that information what you will. All right. I'm not, you know, I'm not actually a human here. I'm just a conduit of the spreadsheet. Um it speaks it speaks to me and I speak for it,
1: you know? I love it. So, I love it. Um the other three though hater romano i don't i think i have like one hater from like a guillotine league or gladiator league i mean i don't think i have any shares of him in a in a, in a, in a any dc 50s fab leagues uh no romano at all for me i do have some williams though I like devin Williams quite a bit so i am a devin Williams fan but i don't have any hater or romano what about you yeah, I don't have
2: any hater or Romano. Um, I feel better about Romano, the Vilos, you know, where it's kind of at. So he should be fine. He seems like he's healthy. Um, I think there was like a little something where he was supposed to pitch for Team Canada in the WBC. Maybe he's still doing that, but I thought they said, no, we're actually not going to do that. But I could have just made that up. Um, so he's fine. I still don't, I don't, still don't love just like the spot where he's going. I like some other players more, but I feel better having seen him. Hater little bit of a concern. He was down two miles per hour, I think, on his velo um, the other day. I don't know if he's pitched um, again since then, but the last time I saw it, let, let me just see. I think I don't think he played in a stack cast. Yeah, he didn't play in a stack cast part. So um, that's a little bit of a concern. And it was, it may seem minor and it's like, hey, these guys have been here. They've done it all. But something like that, if I'm you know on the fence, I'll, I'll lean one guy in one direction. If things change in spring training, then maybe I'll adjust back. But for right now, I don't think I'm targeting either either of them. Devin Williams is is interesting because the projections really don't like him, but he's also somebody that's outpaced the projections and outpaced his um, ERA estimators um, pretty consistently throughout his career. And so, you know that that's a situation where I feel a little bit better about him. Like I would probably take him straight up over Romano. Yeah, um, I think. Hundred um, percent. And then, but yeah, I like the the players going a little bit further behind him. Uh,
1: more i think yeah i'm with you and the, and the one guy i'm gonna mention before we do these adp debates that's been falling in adp is felix bautista that's because of the injury concerns he looks like he'll be ready opening day if not like very soon so i've been swiping him up everywhere i can at a quote-unquote discount we'll see if it pays off or not could be fool's gold but i've been taking that dip for a guy we saw be absolutely electric last year so so it's something else that's changed since we last talked all right, we got a couple ADP debates here. I'll go in within a few picks of each other. Devin Williams, Rice Iglesias, Ryan Presley. How do you look at these three?
2: Yeah, so um, for me, of these three, I think the guy I like the most is actually Iglesias. Um, I like that he's done it before. He's been consistently good, like every single year, he's got multiple pitches that he can go to. He's on a brave team that I think is absolutely outstanding. I mean, you look at the rotation they have, you look at the other bullpen pieces, you look at the hitting, like they're gonna be in a chance, they're gonna have a chance to win a lot of games. And so I think he's being punished a little bit, maybe just because he wasn't a closer last year, or people have the sense that he had a bad year, but he really was very solid. So I would kind of put him at at the top there. I think the second, second is a little bit of a struggle. I mean, Preston was really good um he was the skills were out of this world like the last little bit of the season um for much of the season the astros are going to be an incredibly good team they're going to win a lot of games i think my only concern is the volume you know he's more like in the 55 inning range i think um then um then he is and let me just see and so like You know, um, it's been about two minutes again, so I think I should probably mention the spreadsheet, but (laughs) I aggregate um, I aggregate the playing time projections from various systems. So it's like, you know, like class has 70 innings, for instance, Diaz is at 64, you know, Helsley's at 67, Romano's at 65. Um, Sorry, I got to find these guys. So Iglesias is at 65. Where's Presley? He's at 60, right? So he's at five innings fewer, which you're like, oh, that's not a big deal. Well, it's almost 10%, you know? That's almost 10% fewer innings. So, um, you know, that's, that's definitely, you know, something that I go to. Devin Williams is at 64. So he's at pretty good. So I feel like Williams and Devin Williams is projected for 284 with 114 whip. Iglesias, you got 313 with a 105 whip. You know, I'd probably go in the whip direction there just because whip is a little bit more of a scarce category, especially as you get later in drafts. You know, you can find kind of some of those like, uh, you know, for for lack of a better example, like those Miles Mikolas where you're like, oh, you know, like he's actually a good whip guy. But like, you know, you can find some of those like one, two, five whip guys with a middle middling ERA, like a three, five, three, seven, five, something like that. But it's hard to find those really good whip guys um, later on. So, I would probably lean, I'd probably go Iglesias, Williams, and then, wait, what was it? And then. Presley. Presley, yeah. For some reason, I thought Jordan Romano was in there. Maybe he's just like <laughs> in my nightmares or something.
1: He's etched into your brain. I got no problem with you, Jordan. I
2: got no problem with you, Jordan Romano. He helped Romano.
1: me a lot last year. I drafted him all over the place last year. It's a little different now at this ADP and uh, other situations in, in play. But um, I'm very similar to you. I love Ryssel Iglesias. I've always liked Ryssel Iglesias. It was a shame when he got traded last year, but he was still great with Atlanta, if not better with Atlanta. You mentioned a better baseball team, which should do wonders for him. He's a guy we've seen in the past go multiple innings and be just fine. He can do mm-hmm. a lot of things very, very well. Uh, we saw what Kinley Jansen did there. I think, honestly, Ryssel better than Kinley. It's not like a big statement of, by any means, but like if, if Kinley could do what he did, how can't Russell do that, if not more? And I think that's that's a big plus as well. We could, he could be one of those forty save guys on that team. That, that's how that's how good the Braves should be. So big righty fan. Then I'm with you on the Devin Williams Presley conversation has been so much fun because I seem to be like, like drafting against them every time. Those like the, the two options. It feels like I'm a Devin Williams fan. It comes down to like, do I want just the quantity of saves, which in theory you do want, where I think Presley out saves Devin Williams because Devin Williams might spend more time in high leverage situations than Presley will. Presley will be in the ninth inning. That's what Houston's going to do. Um, problem is, is like you mentioned, Presley also will miss time. He will spend at least one IL stint, if not two every single year. That's what he does. And that's where you have him down to the 60 innings compared to the other guys. Uh, so it comes down to like quantity of saves versus maybe elite strikeout rate and ratios from a reliever that Devin Williams will give you compared to Presley. That's the way I see it can be totally wrong. But um, so I've been leaning, uh, leaning Williams over Presley in that regard. So we're in the same boat on that one. But the uh, right sailed pretty easily for me out of those three. This next one, it's pretty nasty, but it's the only other one that had. Yeah, guys it's, getting it's, tra- I saw it. I saw it's it. And only it scared other, me. It's the only other one that had guys getting drafted close to each other. That's the only reason why I put it on here. Uh, it's Alexis D. I I think you meant
2: Scott Barlow instead of Joe Barlow. I was gonna
1: say. I was like, I man, Joe Barlow's right. going at ADP of 600, I think. You're right. It's Alexis Diaz, Daniel Bard, and Scott Barlow, uh, all going pretty close to each other. This is also before Daniel Bard got hurt. Who knows how long that's going to be for. Might be a minor thing. Who knows? But um, honestly, I don't want any of these guys. Maybe Scott he Barlow. Out of I. We're uh, similar. Not, if I had to, If I had to pick one, it would be Scott Barlow. But honestly, I don't really want any. So how do you uh, look at this situation?
2: Yeah. So, I mean, it's a good ADP debate. Uh, I have Scott Barlow as the top guy in this. He's the only one that I might have slight interest in, Um, but still like there's just Royals aren't very good. And is he really going to be the guy there all the time? And is he going to get traded mid season to somebody else? I'm not, I'm not as interested And I think it's also a really juicy part of the draft, you know, I have them as an ADP of 129 um, in, in the spreadsheet, which I hadn't mentioned in a couple minutes. Um, and then Alexis Diaz. So I have them both being like pretty terrible values, but um, being right next to each other in terms of pitchers, uh, one being uh, player 170 and one being one player 175. Um, and then the Daniel Bard guy is down there, player 189. So they're actually pretty close ADP-wise. I think they're both pretty terrible values. I think, um, you know, with Bard, it's like he had a perfect season last year. It's not going to be a perfect season this year. And it can go wrong pretty, pretty quickly for him. Um, Diaz, we talked about him last time, but let's do a little, what was your walk rate over the last (laughs) 10 games of the season? Um, So let's see. Actually, let's do a larger sample. Let's do, what was your walk rate the last 15 games of the season? For Alexis Diaz, it was 16.4%. That's right, ladies and gentlemen. Alexis Diaz's walk rate was about twice as high as, yeah, it was twice as high. It was way too high. Um, Let's also see like some, so let's see what his BABIP was over the same period of time. Yeah, so his BABIP was 182 over the same period of time, so he wasn't really hurt by it, right? was his home run for a fly ball during that period of time? It was 5% home run for fly ball during that period of time. So what you're looking at is Alexis Diaz getting a crap ton of guys on base, not giving up any hits, not giving up any homers, and getting out of it. And that's not going to happen again. So you're going to get screwed. And then Daniel Bard, let's go on the Daniel Bard whip train. Um, let's, right let's, here for let's run it out of that one. <clears throat> so Daniel Bard's whips um, throughout his career. Once my uh, were are yeah. So since since well, I mean, there was a seven-year gap between his seasons. So since he's come back to the majors in 2020, it was 1.3. That is that's rough. Um, the next year in 2021, it was 1.6. And then last year, it was 0.99. Now, it actually wasn't, last year wasn't his lowest um, year in terms of walk rate. You know, it was his highest year in terms of K rate, but it wasn't his highest year in terms of swinging strike rate. You know, it was his best K minus walk at 18%, but um, it was also his lowest home runs per nine. Like, everything went his way, and it's not going to go his way again. And so, really, when you make this pick, you got to be asking yourself, like, how much am I willing to sacrifice for saves? And it feels like if you're in a draft and that's the question you're asking yourself, like I'm not sure that that's a better question than saying, Hey, what's the chance that, you know, um, God, who's like a spec closer right now? Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure that's better, honestly, than saying like Carlos Estevez is going at pick yeah. 240 and he may have sucked so far in spring, but. You know, I think there's a 55 percent chance that he's going to pitch, and then if he pitches, there's a 75 percent chance that he's mediocre, you know, or like good enough, right? Like three, five, one, two, whip, or something like that. Whereas with Bard, I think it's much more like, right? Maybe he's like at 100 percent of being successful, but like having a successful season, I would put at a pretty low, pretty low rate there. And then you're giving up pretty good draft capital um with the with the pick that he's going at to get him. So.
1: Yeah, it's rough. It's rough. Uh, Daniel Bard, great season. Not going to do it again. It's pre- pretty simple stuff there. Uh, let's talk about some targets, ADP 6 through 10. Um, some of the relievers coming off the board here, Ryan Presley, Marcel Iglesias, Ryan Helsley, Felix Bautista, and Kenley Jansen. Uh, who would be your target in that range?
2: Yeah, I mean, in that range, you know, we talked about it already, but um, I think in that – what you mentioned, I'd say Iglesias – um and then I'd say here let me just order them by AP here that will give me a better um shot so I would say um like Iglesias would be the top there probably um Williams a little bit above Presley I think Bautista is the one guy that I just wouldn't go after sorry about I know you mentioned you just got
1: a bunch of them but
2: um we talked about it last time I'm a little concerned just about the kind of skills and And the walk rate for him, and then you throw on you add on the injury a little bit. That has me concerned. I do like Ryan Helsley a lot. He is also down a little bit below wise, but he's still like above 99, um, which is really nice. And then with with Jansen, I mean, we covered him before too, and he's fine. Like he's I think he'll probably be fine, like you know, mid-three ZRA and one two whip, maybe, and he'll probably get all the saves there. So I don't think that's a bad I don't think that's a bad roll of the dice either, going after him there.
1: Yeah, for me, it's Iglesias, it's Bautista. Don't mind Jansen if you fault him. I agree with what you said on that one. That He he always gets a bad rap. I always enjoy the ADP that you get him at. So I'll take that every single time. Um, When we talk ADP 11 through 20, we have Camilo Duvall, Clay Holmes. It starts to get murky, folks. David Bednar um let's keep scrolling Alexis Diaz Scott Barlow Daniel Bard Peter Fairbanks Uh, a couple more here Andres Munoz and Paul Seawald let's stop it there so um anybody in that range that stands out to you because it gets bad quick
2: yeah um I don't like Duvall at all Um, I'm kind of steering clear of him. I think we talked a little bit about him. I do like Bednar quite a bit. I think Bednar is really good. I think the situation in Pittsburgh obviously isn't ideal in terms of the number of wins that he'll have, have access to, but you know, he put together, I think 25 saves last year. He was really good. Um, So I don't mind Bednar at all. Not really interested in homes um, either. Yeah. It's just like in, in this point of the draft, I think these are the guys that, you know, really i'm i'm kind of like i'd rather probably spec on guys a little bit i do like fairbanks um a decent amount was he was he included yeah 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 i do like um i think i think john duran is interesting you know um there's a really good podcast that uh, greg jewett did for the athletic at rates and barrels that i'd highly recommend people checking out as well um where he kind of went through situations through situation and that was really interesting and he highlighted the fact that um you know, that uh, Duran, like the twins have been very clear that, that they're trying to cap guys' earnings by limiting their saves. That's what they did with Taylor Rogers before. And so that limits my interest in him a little bit, I think. Um, you know, but his skills are just off the charts, you know, and then you look at that bullpen and you're kind of like, who else is going to be there? Because, you know, Jorge Lopez had a great first half last year, but he's got a lot of career of not being a very good pitcher. Um, when he does that, his velo is also down a little bit. Um, so I'm not sure either one of those guys is is of a ton of interest to me, although Duran could be. But, you know, he's just – he's going so high. Like, it's just such a valuable pick you're giving up there. I really love that area of the draft, um, honestly. So I have just a hard time going there with guys. Um, yeah, so those – who did I miss? Who did I
1: miss? Uh, yeah, the Seattle closers and Munoz and ah, Suwald. Yes. Um, Uh, Yeah, and then some of the guys we already talked about, Alexis Diaz and uh, Bard and uh, Barlow. Yeah,
2: with Sewell, Sewell, Sewell's a little bit interesting um, to me. I don't necessarily mind that. He's already started pitching. Um, I think he's been pitching well from what I've seen, at least results. I don't know if he's pitched to the StatCast Stadium yet, where we're really getting a good sense of how well he's pitching. But I think he pitched a clean inning, um, which is nice. I think it's his job probably in the vast majority of situations. Munoz is obviously you know, probably a su- superior pitcher, but sewald has been Sewald or whatever. Um, he's been pretty good, uh, for the last couple seasons. So I don't mind specking there. I'd rather spec, spec, you know, not necessarily spec, but like, I'd rather go after maybe like a guy who gets 75% of the saves here who has good skills than I would a little bit earlier, just because I think that's a really prime area for both pitchers and hitters. There's a lot of guys in that region that I really like. So, um, yeah, so so I would not stay off of Munoz just because I don't think he's the closer, so I don't think you have to get him here. Um, Sewell, I think, is is definitely um, an interesting character right here. So that's kind of my general
1: sense of those guys. Yeah, we're on a lot of the same ones. I've been interested in Clay Holmes, but I, I've been steering a little clearer as the draft season's gone on. I like Bednar quite a bit. I just wish the Pirates had given more save chances because they just aren't going to be good. That's the part that stinks, but he should help you everywhere else. Uh, and then Fairbanks and Sewell are two guys I've been starting to circle as draft season's gone on if I didn't get two good closers early those are guys I've been uh, definitely looking towards because they'll get you the ratios plus the save chances so big fans of, uh, of those two as well and Fairbanks everyone's talks about the Rays you know they always have all these guys closed they do but when they have a good guy that doesn't get hurt they usually stick with them the thing is the Rays are always getting guys hurt and moving guys around and and doing that thing so or uh fairbanks could easily give you 20 plus saves that wouldn't shock me at all so yeah definitely interested in that one and, and indeed
2: all right yeah let's well, go. i find myself in the same situation every year where i go in and i'm like i'm gonna grab two closers bubba i'm gonna get these two closers so i don't have to worry about it at all and then i get into the draft and i'm like oh my god i love these hitters and these starters like these guys are so good like let's uh, let's 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 grab them. And I'm like, oh, I don't really want to get this mediocre closer here. You know, it feels too wrong. But yeah, I don't
1: know. Yep. That's the the beauties and the trials and tribulations of drafting. That's the, the fun of it all as we do this time and time again. And then in April, we're going to wish we were still drafting because it's all behind us. Uh, let's go to the middle infield now where there's a little bit more to talk about than there is relievers. Uh, anything changed for you when looking at second base? I know it's one of those positions where it kind of dries up pretty quick, not quite like third base, but it doesn't get interesting. There's a lot of depth, I guess you could say, but it's just not like you love it depth. It's more like, hey, it's not a bad middle infielder in around 27 depth, but uh, like how how are you looking at second base?
2: Yeah, you know, um, I'm, I'm both glad and not glad that we're looking at uh, middle infield uh, today just because – I, I, compared to all the different positions, I really don't like middle infield and I don't like shortstop and second the most. Like if I were to rank all the positions, maybe outfielders in there, the one caveat that I'd say to that, and this has really been my approach all draft season, um, is I'm really not focusing on the positions at all. I'm trying to draft the best players and, um, and regardless of position until I have to, you know? And so what i'm more looking for in these in these situations is perceived value of guys and just like any other position there are players that um that provide some value in here so i think there are pockets that i really like you know at the different positions i would say shortstop i haven't done it yet you know even though i love first base this year i've been getting a lot of first basemen in, in the first round so far um so we'll see if that if that continues but um uh, shortstop, you know, obviously as a position, I think that would be interesting to get early on, just because I do think that you have some really elite performers up there. And I think that goes down a little bit, like the further along that you get into draft. I do think that there's some second baseman going late. I think there's a variety of different options there that you can kind of go to. Um, so I think that's fine. Whereas I don't really like the second baseman, um, going earlier on. Um, so I'm much more in kind of maybe a wait and see approach at second base versus shortstop. Um, but I think with all of them, yeah, I think like the deeper you get, the more second basemen stand out to me, the earlier on you are, the shortstop obviously stand out. And I think there's a couple nice ones kind of in the middle range as well that you can go to. So I do think that there's a lot of flexibility, but I will say the shortstop position, I think is probably the worst as you get later in drafts. Um, so I would just say, you know, make sure you don't wait too long um, on the shortstop position you know not well i mean yeah to get your first shortstop because you can always get one shortstop earlier on and then fill your middle infielder with a second baseman or something like that so you know um yeah so that's what i would i would say um yeah on that that's kind of been my approach as i've gotten there and i've got i've had a couple of teams where i'm like ah, i'm a little late getting a second baseman here it's a little rough and like a dc or not getting enough depth but yeah
1: no, we're on the same page and I, I've been saying it too. Shortstop, we always talk about how deep shortstop is. It is not the same kind of depth this year. Sure, there's a bunch of like quote-unquote fantasy viable shortstops, but the quality is not what it used to be. It, it definitely drops off quickly. That's why I, I, I keep saying I, I like to leave the draft with somebody no later than like Willie Adamas, Jeremy Pena level of shortstop. I want at least one from there or before. I'm trying not to reach for one of the first rounds if I don't have to, but like, I've been finding myself liking Francisco Lindor more and more, especially when he falls in around three. That's been a, an attractive piece to me. Like Just little things like that where shortstop can get uh, kind of nasty. But second base, I don't really like... The early second basemen don't stand out to me as much as other positions, kind of like what you were saying. So I just kind of wait on the position. Not on purpose, I guess, but it just seems that way. And uh, like Glaber Torres started to look a little more appealing to me later on in drafts. Guys like that. And then I don't mind waiting for like the Colton Wongs of the world and stuff like that if if worse comes to worst preferably a middle infielder like you said but um you know they say in 15 team leagues there's always a position you're gonna be kind of like weak at uh second base is fine with me if it's one of those guys late uh in those scenarios but it's definitely not what it used to be is what it feels like because I'm not even in love with like the Ozzy Albies of the world like I used to be like I like him a lot but it doesn't like I'm not running to go draft him so after you get to like Marcus Simeon in the early rounds, it's kind of like, eh, yeah, you got these guys. That, that's kind of what stands out there, and it, it, they're not like jumping off like Altuve. I love Jazz, but it's just none of these guys are really doing it for me. And then as you get deeper in, it's like, tell me the difference between Jorge Polanco, Thyro Estrada, Vaughn Grissom? Like they're all kind of very similar kind of dudes to me. So it's it makes it kind of tough to uh, to want to reach for them when you can go get like a. a cool third or fourth outfielder or go get a third or fourth starting pitcher or go and do these other things to to fill your roster and your team's needs instead of just filling the positional needs like Toby was saying not worrying so much about position as in getting the best players for your roster and that's where it leaves me going like just deeper at the second base position and just filling it at some other point in time unless it just kind of happens where it works out and I get a guy I want it falls or something but more often than not that's just not happening right now all right, let's do some ADP debates here at the position we got. Let me uh, click the middle infielders tab here to make it a little more official. All right, we got Tommy Edmond ADP of about seventy-five, give or take. Dansby Swanson ADP of eighty-two. So the twelfth and thirteenth middle infielders off the boards. Uh, how do you view these ones? Is uh, Tommy Edmond is always a fun and controversial name out there?
2: Yeah, right. Um, <clears throat> this one's an interesting one. Both guys that show up as really good values where they're going actually um in the spreadsheet since we haven't mentioned in a couple minutes um but I, I haven't gotten either one i've been in a position to get swanson and i can't quite get there um, you know he's probably going to bat third in that lineup so he's going to be in a really good spot maybe it's the new situation i'm not quite sure but i just have not been able to go there maybe i'll get there later in the season um, edmund you know again all the controversy around is he going to hit first is he going to hit you know towards the back end of the lineup i think the key is, is if he gets 600 plate appearances right um he's gotten close to that or at that the last couple of years let me just let me just make sure let me just make sure i feel like he has um uh but he's done that and he's been you know really successful and maybe he's that guy yeah so he had 691 and then 630 you know, so I think as long as he's around 600, he's going to be totally fine. Is he one of those guys that's going to take the next step around speed? It could be. I think he's a player that, you know, if you, like, if you, if you build, like I typically build, right. And you go with a lot of pitcher heavy early, you know, he's a guy that can help you catch up on that speed um, pretty quickly. Um, so yeah, but it's just a question of, again, you know um where he hits in the lineup and how many plate appearances he has he's very good defensively so he should be in there he does also have the added benefit of having the second base eligibility as well and so you know that probably puts in his check mark for me with edmund over swanson but the balance profile is obviously more dansby because of the power that he can provide and you know he should give you some pretty good counting stats even though the cubs lineup isn't You know, it's nothing to write home about, but I think it's not one of those lineups that's so bad that it's really going to severely impact, you know, his ability to get runs in RBI.
1: Yeah. I'm with you on this one. It's Swanson for me. I love the fact he'll be hitting in the middle of the Cubs lineup. At least the top half of the lineup isn't going to be that bad. Like there's still going to be run production to be had there. So I like that. He'll have the free pass to run because we saw that even with the Cubs last year, the guys that could run, got to run pretty much whenever they wanted to, which is a plus. So, Swanson will be able to drive in runs. He'll be able to score runs. He'll be able to steal will. Like, I don't know if he goes 20-20, but he can put up another 20, 22 home runs, like 15, 16 stolen bases pretty easily. And and the counting stats can be a lot better. So I like that with him. Edmund, like, you know, another 30 steals, definitely in the bag, no matter if he's ninth or first in the lineup. We know that with him. The power to me is always, like, is he ever going to show the production that we, like, hoped he would? He could. Who knows? But there's just so many question marks, especially with that Cardinals team. There's a lot of moving parts right now. Like even Newt Bar, there's like a crowded outfield all of a sudden. There's a lot going on there in St. Louis for playing time. I'm not saying it's going to like affect Edmund as much, but it could. There's a lot, like a lot of moving pieces there, and it could definitely affect the spot in the batting order. Let's put it that way. Edmond's Ed not going to lose his, his spot in the field, but the batting order can really shift with a lot going on there. So, give me Dansby Swanson. On this one, and I'll just forever be the uh fade Edmund guy. I was on him the first year when he was cheap, haven't been on him since, so we'll see how how it keeps going. The next one is a fun one for me because a lot of uh interesting players you got Tim Anderson, ADP of 88, Xander Bogart's ADP of 93, Willie Adamas, ADP of 95. So you got three shortstops rounding out the top 100 and ADP here, and it's there's a lot of interesting arguments for all three of them. So, how do you view? anderson bogarts Adamus. yeah bogarts
2: is clearly the last one for me um you know i think well i guess adp doesn't have it exactly right because bogarts is a little bit ahead of Adamus, but not really interested in xander all that much um obviously the batting average will be good i just question a little bit of the pop um especially going to that um cavernous uh ballpark there um Yeah. So I'm not that, I'm not that into, into Xander. The speed, like, you know, is a little bit fluctuating. I I think there's a lot more question mark about what the production is going to be there. And I think there's better players to address kind of at that point in the draft. Um, I do like the other two though, um, Adamas, you know, I think if you're looking for, maybe if you're a little bit light on power, you know, and you're looking for it from shortstop, I think Adamas is the guy could be the guy to go there without necessarily hurting you in steals. You know, the batting average is obviously the one question mark, but I think if you look at his projection, it's not like an, an awful, um, it's not an awful projection, I wanna say. Um, uh, if I ever, if I could ever um, find it, my sheet is a little bit more difficult to find the exact, um, yeah, the exact uh, number for the, uh, yeah, I'll just I'll stop trying um but i think it's in the 240s so it's not necessarily crushing you i think he had that pretty low paddock last year if my memory serves me correctly yes he did um so there's that and i think you know he stole a little bit maybe he steals a little bit more now you know he's gonna play every day he's in the middle of that lineup so i think that's a really nice spot for him tim anderson is another interesting one as well i mean he actually rates out as one of the better values in the draft for me at this point in time you know i think um but you know i think there's you know one of the things that i struggle with i actually drafted him in tgfbi um you know the thing is like you don't see a ton of 600 plate appearances you know out of him right so the playing time is a little bit of a question but like at the same time like would you um you know would you take him at 525 or would you take him at 550 with the batting average that he's going to provide you know like the last time he hit 550. he went 309 17 94 61 18. like that sounds pretty pretty good to me um yeah i mean i would take that at my pick you know around pick 90. um so i would take that so i think it's really a question of health um with uh uh with tim anderson and so again like it is not necessarily a super easy pick to make for that reason but there's also you know it could be it could be really it could be really juicy I have him at projected at 576 plate appearances so you know if you if you drop that if you drop that a little bit then you know he falls back closer to where he should be going in ADP in terms of rank um but you know I do love that very high batting average he's one of the few guys that you can kind of pencil in for like 290 plus and that does a lot for your team um when you're able to do that so um, I do like Tim Anderson, but I like him and Adamas. Um, I think they're fine. I think there's a lot of shortstops kind of going in this in this general area of the draft that I'm that I'm a fan of. So,
1: yeah, for me, it's Willie Adamas. Uh You mentioned the low BABIP. Yeah, it was down to 278 last year. he has been like 330 or above most of his career. So I, I wouldn't be shocked if, like, even uh, the bad X has been at 247, uh, ATC 246. That'd be much much more inclined. 31 homers last year. We've seen the power improve year after year, and his batting average or his strike counts dropped to 27% from 28%. Like it's not a big drop, but hey, I'll take anything I can get from a young player. He's only going to be 28 this year. And what I love to see is his barrel rates, his hard hit rates, they've continued to increase year after year after year. So as he's getting more comfortable at the plate, it's been a, a marked improvement for Willie Adamas. And the eight steals last year was a career high for him. So if he could, like you said, sneak in 10 or something, that'd be pretty sweet as well uh tim anderson would be second for me I, uh, bogarts is always just a do not draft for me He's just kind of a at least his adp is not great but it's not it's not a dead average but it feels like a dead average when you got a guy like xander bogarts plus think you mentioned that ballpark and everything i'll pass so it comes down to tim anderson at number two and it's strictly the health and, and the, bat, uh, the the plate appearances as you mentioned you mentioned the year he had a um, you know, 550 played appearances in 2021. That was outstanding. The two years he had six hundred plus in seventeen and eighteen, those were great years. Uh the batting average has been amazing the last three years, like we talked about. Uh driven, that's who he is. So that that's strong. It's just the guy's got to stay healthy. He hasn't played more than 123 games since 2018. So that's the only uh concern I have with Tim Anderson. Again, you're not paying a premium for him like you have been in years past. So that's a plus for Tim Anderson. But if I got to, like, separate him by any any little bits, I got Willie Thomas then Tim Anderson, then Xander Bogarts. I don't have any shares of Tim Anderson yet. I feel like I need to remedy that at some point in time just in case he stays healthy because he will be a gift to – he'll be the guy that I was drafting everywhere last year. and that, that, That's why it would be even more frustrating if he stays healthy this year. But, uh, yeah, it's, it's Adamus Anderson, Xander Bogarts for me.
2: The one thing I'll say about Bogarts is that, since we both kind of crapped on him, um, for a good reason, I may add, um, is that, like, if you look at his batting average the last five years, right, and I'm just, it's like a random sample, but 288, 309, 300, 295, 307, and his projection is 270, 277, 275, 266, 269, right? So if you were to actually say, oh, well, what if we give Bogarts, you know, a 290 batting average, then the projections bump him up and he becomes a value. So if you believe that batting average, right? if you believe he can hit that batting average that he's going to be in the middle of that lineup and he's also going to, you know, hit close to 20 home runs, well then, I mean, that's a little bit of a different story for him as well. So I could see him dropping and, and or people not believing the projected average, which I think is a super reasonable thing to do. And then as a result, thinking that Bogarts is interesting to grab there.
1: Yeah, that's that's fair, very fair. Which I wish he had more power. Be Corey Seager. That's that's what I wish he could be. Uh, next ADP to me, we have Thairo Estrada at one sixty six, Vaughn Grissom at one sixty nine, Brandon Lau at one seventy three. So we're getting to the deeper, deeper masses here at the second base position. How do you rate these? And don't feel bad; you can offend me all you want. <laughs> Um yeah, Tyro strada I think pretty clearly is is
2: the one out of this group. I mean, with with um yeah, I like him. I like him. I i have not gotten him um yet, but I yeah, do I like him. I have
1: many shares, many shares. Yeah, I
2: had second base, shortstop, probably gonna play every day, speed power, combo, batting average. He could get outfield too. That's that's impressive. So Um, I do like that um, a lot. I think he's just going in an area where there's a lot of different players that I like, and so I haven't necessarily grabbed him. Not really interested in Brandon Lau. I could definitely see where he becomes, you know, huge value if he plays on a regular basis, but I think he's probably going to be part of a platoon. And, um, yeah, I mean, we'll kind of see what he ends up doing. He's also got to stay healthy, which, again, you're healthy until you're not, um, or you're not healthy until you are. Uh, We've seen that a number of different times, so I can definitely see that happening um as well um and then um the other player you mentioned
1: Von Grissom. Was
2: Von Grissom yeah sorry um I mean I could definitely see it on a per plate appearance basis for Grissom I could see being interested in him um you know question is going to be whether he plays and also like if he starts off what is the percentage chance that he struggles initially and gets benched like he did last year um you know I think that's a major concern you have to have even if he's kind of in that position but on a per plate appearance basis if I remember correctly from his um yes yeah, so they have him hitting ninth um yeah so he's got 10 home runs 13 steals and 469 plate appearances with 262 average I mean that's really good right it's very similar to Tyro Estrada going later on in draft so if you think he's going to be good if you think he's going to be able to you know, play the in- shortstop well enough to stay in that lineup and then stay healthy enough to stay in that lineup as well, then I think he's a really interesting, um, you know, he could be a really interesting guy there. The projections just don't see it right now. And, you know, I think there's a lo- a little bit too many instances where he's just doesn't, that you're dropping him, right? Like he's not even playing. Um, I think there's too many instances where that occurs for me to be interested in right here. Um, I think maybe if he was going like in the mid two hundreds or something like that, I'd be a little bit more interested, but I think there's enough players that I feel confident that they're going to be good. And I feel confident that they will be close enough to what he's going to give you um, to go there. So.
1: Yep. We're on the same, same page. It's a uh, thyroid for me. If I had to go Von Grissom would be number two. I just don't have any shares. Cause I a lot of the concerns you should, you mentioned I'm concerned about like, is he going to play enough? Like he should gain shortstop eligibility, which will be nice. But is he going to be the everyday guy? There's, there's a lot of questions to be, be had there. Then Brandon Lau is the clear third for me. Uh, there's so many people that love him. He's had one season where he played over 82 games as 2021. And he had a great year, 39 homers, 247. Awesome. He's done it once. And even last year, it wasn't just injuries like you mentioned. He got platooned last year. And that is always a concern with Tampa Bay. And I don't see that changing this year with the with the makeup of that roster. So, I just stay away from Brandon Lau. If he proves me wrong, so be it. But I don't see how he plays. Like all the projections have him for like 100, bad X, 125 games. Most of them have him for 125. They got him for 21, 24 home runs, which is cool, which is good. I don't even know if he gets to 125. Like I said, he's only gotten over 82 one time. Like, so we're, we're asking for a lot there from Brandon Lau. And I'm just going to pass on that and take Dyro Estrada and, and move on and get the uh, all the you know, five categories potentially. With The power will probably be the weakest of his five categories, but I'm still a believer he's a 15-home run guy where some people don't think he is. He's shown he can hit the ball hard with the max EV. He's young. I'd still give him some time to develop that as well. So uh, I'm pretty pretty happy that we're seeing there with Thyro. All right, couple more here real quick. Uh, we got Gene Segura. Where are you, Gene? Let's scroll down and find Gene Segura. 220 is what I have met. 220. <clears throat> Oh, yep. There he is. I had 218 over the last couple of weeks and then Luis arrives at 220. So they're about two picks apart right now. I'm just going to say real quick, it's an easy gene cigarette for me, but uh, what's your thoughts on these two?
2: Yeah, it's a really good, uh, putting them next to each other. Um, because in my spreadsheet, you know, which I haven't mentioned in a couple minutes, um, is, uh, he's, uh, Segura is 220, Arias is 216 for ADP, and they're 190 and 196. So they're both showing up as, you know, decent values. um, And they're right next to each other with about the same value. Like they're both like 24 to 25 picks um, above where they should theoretically be going, um, which is good for drafters. Um, You know, I'm, I'm a Gene Segura guy too here. The one concern, like I was super into Segura. And, like, the one thing that gives me a little bit of pause, not enough pause to, like, not necessarily draft him, but is they do have him hitting sixth in that Miami lineup. And I worry a little bit about the con- the counting stats in that particular situation. Like, it's not a bad spot for steals, but it's not going to be a great place for homers. And, um, yeah, I just think that the the runs in RBI could be pretty low um, in that type of a situation. So... I'm a little concerned about that, but Arias is still a little bit of a too much of a one-trip pony. Um, I do think it's interesting, you know, with him batting leadoff. I think the middle of that lineup could be a little bit better, you know, than people anticipate. Right, like kind of last year was the worst that it could be, um, with both um, you know Soler and and Abi and Cooper being injured. Oh, I guess they have Arias hitting third at this point now, and Jazz hitting first, so. I haven't looked at their lineups recently, so maybe that swapped. He's a little bit more interesting in, in, in hitting third, um, but not going to give you a lot of power, not going to give you a lot of steals. But if you are back in batting average and you want to kind of go with one of those one-trick-type ponies, I could definitely see um, definitely see going through it Tim there.
1: Yeah, it's, it's Gene Segura for me. <laughs> uh, I, I've never been a Luis Urias guy. He's a better real-life player than fantasy player for me. But there are some very smart people that like him, and I'll go down with that ship uh the last one i have here when i made this list two weeks ago they are right next to each other in adp since then the last two weeks adp bryson stott is 224 and Ha Sung kim is 245. So they're a little bit apart now um do you have any thoughts on these two real quick
2: yeah i mean my thoughts are if you're drafting them for your for your team you may be waited a little bit too long um yeah. No, I mean I think that they're both they're both really interesting. I mean, Stott is interesting. He's still really young. He has really good plate discipline. The batted ball quality is not necessarily there. The question is going to be whether he's in a platoon as well. Um, you know, they they brought in Josh Harrison. I feel like at this point in time that's probably the play that they go with. Is Josh Harrison against lefties and and um Stott against um uh righties and if that's the case right then that 497 plate appearances is, is looking a little bit more accurate um, than it would otherwise um, you know and that's 12 home runs 11 steals 247 batting average and those projections look great but then it's like then you have to manage kind of the the lineup right you have to like you know figure out when he's playing figure out when he's not playing and all that jazz and it's just kind of like is that worth it for price and stott Um, with Hassan Kim, I mean, I think he should definitely play, um, on a regular basis. So I definitely think there's some interest there. It's actually kind of remarkable. Like the, the Padres lineup gets so bad pretty quickly. Um, you know, right now they obviously don't have Tatis Jr. In there, but you know, you got Jake Cronenworth hitting fourth, you know, you got Nelson Cruz, Matt Carpenter, Hassan Kim, Trent Grisham, Austin Nola. Like it's just a little bit of a rough, um, a little bit of a rough go there. Um, and then with Kim, you have a very similar projection, a higher plate appearance projection, but you know, you're looking at, um, you know, low teens in terms of home runs and low teens in terms of steals as well. I mean, last year he almost got 600 plate appearances and he was at 11 and 12 with close to 60, 60. I mean, at close to 600 plate appearances, I think you're hoping for a little bit more and maybe he does get slightly better, but pretty similar actually. Like, you know, his barrel rate was actually down from his first year. Is that 4.2% from 4.5. Had a max EV that was a little bit lower as well. So I'm not sure what the ceiling really is there um, uh, with them. So, yeah, I'm not really interested in either of them right there. There's just different players that I'm targeting in this position of the draft.
1: Yeah, no, it's I'm not on either one of them. If I had to pick one of the two, I'll give a chance to Bryson Stott, but uh, I'm not really on either one of them. So I'll keep that short and sweet on that one. Let's do second-base targets here, ADP my 11. My camera is making people dizzy, the, Uh I wouldn't worry about so it. I wouldn't worry about it. Um, ADP 11 through 20, we got Vaughn Grissom, Brandon Lau, Jonathan India, Whit Merrifield, Jake Cronenworth, Jeff McNeil, Cattell Marte, Brandon Drury, Josh Rojas, Gene Segura. Are any of these guys' targets for you on draft day? Oh,
2: man. Um, hold on one second. You can Let say no. Yeah, yeah, I know. Well, I don't have them on my list, so I got to, like, pull up ADP and look at who um, who they are, because it just says uh, 111 through 20. Um, let's see what we got here. Hold on one sec. Sorry, just because I can't remember all of them. Um, uh, all right. So we got um, middle infield. All right. Base. Oh, second base. Sorry. No. Apologies. All right. 11. So we got our guy, um, Estrada, who we talked about. Is that who we're talking? You're starting with? Sorry.
1: Uh, I have Von Grissom. I have dates of uh, 220 to
2: 36. Okay. So Von Grissom, um, we talked about him. We have talked about Estrada as well. Brandon Lowe, we talked about. I do like Jonathan India as like a potential bounce back um, for him. You know, a lot of these guys, like I don't have India on any of my teams but yet, but I feel like I. I kind of want to, but I'm not sure. It's just like the way that the draft flows. He just doesn't seem to be coming my way. Jeff McNeil, not really interested in him. Batting average only profile. I'd rather wait and get Luis Arias. Um, Catel Marte is really interesting. Like the projections love him. The projections always love him. And he's really only had that one good season where he's been kind of fantasy viable. And so- um, year two. Yeah, it's the bouncy ball year two. So it's kind of like- the projections really make me want to like him but i haven't gone after him either Cronenworth is a compiler not really going to get you home runs not really going to get you steals decent batting average um decent counting stats if he's hitting in the middle of that lineup so i don't mind that but i'm not that into it i'm probably not targeting it there brandon drury probably not i just think there's too many ways that he um, fails or doesn't get enough playing time in that particular situation uh, Whit Merrifield I do like with a decent amount I mean he is hitting towards the back end of that lineup but I think he does have second base and outfield so he should get a good decent run and so I feel like 20 steals is definitely possible and a little bit of pop especially with the new dimensions on the outfield You know, they might be able to help him a little bit more because he does he is you know he's good for he's good for 10 home runs or so um and then Arias we talked about Stott we talked about um yeah, I think that's that's what I have, 320.
1: Is that right? Yeah, it's pretty close. Um, India is pretty much – India and Cronenworth are probably the only two guys I'm interested in here. Um, I got Gene Segura at 20, and uh, I don't mind him. But, uh, yeah, India and Cronenworth, India is by far my favorite. That's why it's just a, a bad position. It's like you kind of have to take a guy early and don't like it or, I don't know, or you just keep waiting. But it's it's not ideal. Let's put it that way. It's not an ideal position. At second base, but at least you're almost to ADP 200 here, so you can start taking chances. Like I've taken a few chances on Brandon Jury earlier in draft season. Not as in love with it as the as the season goes on with the, all the moving pieces in Anaheim and how they might be using things there. So less than ideal in that scenario. But yeah, India and Cronenworth are the main two for me, especially Cronenworth, the first base, second base eligibility that MICI. I, I do like that quite a bit. A lot of flexibility there. But and then Segura will get third base, so that that's big as well. But yeah, not, not not a ton in this range, uh, twenty-one through thirty. Who are you looking at here? Because I actually like a few more here, I think, than I did eleven through twenty.
2: Yeah. So um, now mine has Bryson Stott again in it. Um, I don't know if that's what yours reads as as well, but yeah, I um, have yeah, yeah. Bryson okay. Stott at uh, twenty-two. Okay, I've met twenty-one in mine, so my dates are probably a little bit off, but I'll just go through. So stop, you know, not really interested for the reasons I mentioned. Gene Segura, um, I like him. Um, Definitely would go after him there. You know, I mentioned the concerns towards the back end, but you're picking pick 220. Most guys here have some sort of concern about them. I do like uh, Luis Urias. I think he's a guy who could take that next step. He's got the triple position eligibility, which is really nice. Again, I find myself drafting different positions at this point in the draft right now, but um, he's definitely somebody where if I've missed out on second base or shortstop, or I still need my MI filled, I think he's a really nice guy to go to right here. Colton Wong, you know, also he's going to be platoon, but he should be hitting leadoff in that Mariners lineup against righties. So if you can time it right, which is always super annoying. He could be interesting and he shows up as a little bit of a value. DJ LeMahieu, I'm just not sure what we're getting at this point in time, right? With the dead end ball, him going oppo so much, like that's really impacted his home run total. If he's playing every day and hitting towards the top of that lineup, then I think it's a, it's a little bit of a different story, but I'm not sure that he's going to get there. Um, and I'm not sure he's going to stay healthy enough to do that either. Uh, Christopher Morrell, I think he's having an awful spring so far. Not really interested in him, though. If he does get plate appearances, I mean, no doubt he can go 2010, 2015, um, for sure, over the course of a full season. John Birdie is not playing every day. Um, I picked him up in a D.C. where I was short on speed. And just because I was like, well, maybe he'll get like a run for like a month or two when somebody's injured and I can accumulate some steals there. But it's really hard in redraft to be able to roster a guy like that and keep him on your lineup. Chris Taylor, I think he's really intriguing to me. He should have second base, shortstop, and outfield um, pretty early on in the season. He's playing for the Dodgers. You know, um, He should get enough playing time. I think the projections are underselling that a little bit. So he's definitely kind of a middle infield and maybe even an outfield target for me, depending on um, you know what my team build looks like so far brendan donovan not really that interested um i got to do a little bit of a deeper dive though if he's going to play on a regular basis i wasn't anticipating that that was going to happen but they seem to be batting him pretty high up the lineup and he started off well this spring i think he's a pretty similar profile to edmund except without speed um you know not super interested in that but he exists um and then is isaac paredes um not really into him i know a lot of some really smart people like him He's got the triple position eligibility he should play a decent amount but i'm just not sure i mean it seemed like he was way over his power potential maybe underperforming the batting average but the projections don't really like the batting average either although they do like him as like a little bit of a decent value um, going on um, right here so actually no they don't let mine don't anymore um so that that's something that has changed um so yeah so <coughs> Not a ton of guys in there, but there's a few of them that I might go after as my middle infielder or even like an outfielder like a Chris Taylor or something like that.
1: Yeah, this is the range. A lot of middle infield options here. Colton Wong, I'll keep going back to. I know they said they're going to platoon him, but we'll see how long that lasts for. He can hit lefties okay. So, well, I guess it's um, – oh, God, I was blanked on that. Who the heck is he going to platoon with? Mr. like Moore, I believe it is, that hits 210. Dylan Moore. Yeah. yeah, Dylan Moore. So, yeah, Colton Wong I like um Christopher Morrell, I agree horrible spring but that tool and that age like there's a lot to like in a power speed guy if uh, he gets playing time in Chicago so I like that Nick Gordon's here who I'm always a fan of I love the Chris Taylor call especially with gaining shortstop eligibility that can be big as well um he's actually moving up for me quite a bit and then uh Isak Paredes I like quite a bit uh if the multi-position is awesome I think there is a lot of legit power there he had a a decent amount of power in the minor leagues and he played for Detroit so we know how that goes uh comes over to Tampa Bay see the power kind of start to develop again last year when he hit his 20 home runs I think there's definitely 20 home run power in that bat I think he's better than a 205 hitter too so there's a lot to like there and they want to get him on the field as much as possible so I think there is something there he's gonna be 24 this year so still super young uh it doesn't cost you much in ADP so I'm a fan of ESOC there. So I, I like a lot more guys in this 21 to 30 range than I did 11 through 20. Let's go to shortstop now. Let's go 11 through 20, which starts with Tim Anderson and ends with Bryson Stock. Uh, what do you like in this range?
2: Um, So I like uh, – we talk about Tim Anderson, like him. Dansby I like as well, but haven't been able to get there. But who knows? I mean, you know, things can – Change on that. Wander's interesting when we first did the preview like he was a guy that I mentioned as being really interested in well since the other projections have come rolling in he is now like one of the bigger fades. I don't know if that's the case for me. It's like you can see where the development is not linear with him and he's just a, an explosive guy who hits for a little bit more power steals a few more bases and and wins the um, batting crown, you know, and like that's just an incredible guy to be able to get in this position, but um, the projections don't think that's going to happen, but they sometimes miss, miss with guys like him. Talked about Bogarts. Again, that batting average is really going to drive whether he makes sense as a pick for you or not. Um, Adamus um, is uh, great. I like him. Um, Pena, I have not really been interested in and have not drafted him. Um, you know, uh, he shows up as a negative guy, but I mean, he also seems like a player who should be really good, like really cares, tries really hard, did well in the clutch, was injured last year. So if you're into Jeremy Pena, I can totally get that as well. Ahmed Rosario, I like a lot, Um, you know, kind of contributes all over the place, maybe a little bit light in power, a little bit light in RBI, but, you know, plays every day, Um, he steals, he hits for a little bit of pop, Um, and he's got that solid batting average, um, pretty consistent. So I like Rosario as well in that spot. I haven't really been into Correa. I think it's more a profile issue. You know the sheet actually likes him a little bit, um, but I think it's more just like this profile is not necessarily like something that I don't feel like I can replicate a little bit later on in the draft. And uh, you're not really going to get speed. You know the batting average is OK, but not great. So I kind of tend to tend to steer clear of that a little bit. I do like Nico Horner, like the the profile. Him and Rosario are pretty similar to me, just in terms of like kind of the batting average. You know probably low teens maybe horner doesn't get quite get there but maybe there's a little bit more speed for him um so i like him as well i like tyro estrada like i mentioned before i like javi baez a lot i think where he's going you know he's a tremendous value it's just a question about like the pro- the profile doesn't necessarily that type of profile that he has doesn't age gracefully like i think it was Eno that did some research on that but like the guys with the really high o swings do not get better with time but he was also injured last year. So I think it depends on whether you're like buying the injury versus the just reduction in skills. Um, but I like him where he's going right there. Um, you know, I think he's, if you've missed out on your earlier shortstop, I think you can go do a lot worse than Baez. Um, stop. You know, I mentioned him not being super interested in him. I'll stop there.
1: Yeah. Tim Anderson. We talked about him earlier. Uh, definitely a little more intriguing to me than he once was. Love Willie Adamas, Big, big, Big circle around William Domus. Uh Jeremy Pena, I do have some shares of, but now that the news is out and it, I should have paid more attention to this before. Baker basically said, as long as Michael Brantley's healthy, he's my number two hitter, which is Dusty Baker at his finest. Just loves those uh those veterans. That's and he basically said, Well, it's because Brantley's done it longer. That was his answer. Not that Pena's better. Like, come on, Dusty. Like, come on. That's man. why Kyle Tucker will hit sixth again this year, right? Jesus crime dusty so i like i still like Paynex. i think you know how healthy is barely going to stay let's be realistic about that um, nico horner is intriguing if you like that profile i like that I we're starting a lot we talked about him but i'm on the javi Baez bounce back as well just based on price alone uh you know he might not ever be the guy we once remember him being in chicago but he's also not an adp close to 170 probably either it does stink hitting in detroit no sugar coating that but uh, he is a definite um I think upside play, you mentioned the value on your sheet. Uh, and then, because the, the biggest thing is for me is if you miss out or you're waiting on stuff after Baez, the next shortstop is like over 50 picks later. It starts to get bleak real quick. So um, it, it drops off a cliff. And Baez would be one of the last resorts for me. All right, 21 through 30, you got CJ Abrams all the way down to like Joey Wendell, Anthony Volpe area. So who do you like in this 21 to 30?
2: Abrams could be interesting, but, you know, uh, Davy Martinez was saying that he's not hes not going to hit towards the front end of the lineup, but he's got to kind of earn that spot. And that really hurts him for me because the home runs are going to be pretty low. I think with him, I just don't really see the power unless it develops um, kind of season to season, which is definitely possible with a guy with his prospect pedigree. The steals are interesting, but if he's batting towards the back end of that lineup, I think everything else could be a little a little gnarly. I mean, the batting average should be decent, too. Ezekiel Tovar is one where I'm like, I really want to get him. I really want to get him, and I never end up getting him. And even though like he's still around at ADP, and I think it's just because of the needs I have in any given draft at that point in time, and maybe question marks about where he's going to hit and you know um, whether he's going to stay up. But the projections like him, we talked about Cam. I talked about Arias when we talked about second base. Jorge Mateo, no interest at all. Oswaldo Peraza. If he's this shortstop, I think he could be really interesting. Um, You know, if he's the starting shortstop, I think when you project him out to 600 plate appearances, it's pretty nice. Um, Adalberto Mondesi, not really interested either. Luis Garcia, I haven't really been interested in that much either. I think he's another one where it's like you're hoping the batting average is really good. Not quite sure about the power and the speed and whether that's going to come through for you. Um, Andrews is interesting, you know, kind of where he's going a little bit. Um, You know, playing playing second base, he's going to get that eligibility. You know, he may hit towards the back of the lineup, but you could see him putting together like another 15-10 season, something like that, playing for the White Sox. Um, Volpe, you know, you're kind of hoping that he becomes the starting shortstop. He's one of those guys where if he's not the starting shortstop, then you got to have that debate with yourself and redraft about whether you're gonna drop him or not. And not necessarily something you want to do, but if you don't have to, you know, if it's if it only costs him to you 330,
1: maybe that's the the risk that you take
2: there. Um Yeah, that's the last one I have. Is there one that I didn't cover
1: that's in there? Uh, That's pretty much it, I believe. Yeah, yeah, I like C.J. Abrams a lot. I just wish the Nationals liked him as much as I did. I think there's a lot of power, especially speed, to unlock there if they just let him go at the top of the order. So I've had him in a few drafts, especially at that ADP. I agree with you on Ezekiel Tovar. He's supposed to be the dude in in Colorado, so I'm a fan of him as well. These are more middle infield options, though. I'd hate these guys to be my starting shortstops. Let's be very clear about that. Um after that though, I like Oswald Peraza if he is the shortstop. It looks like he should be unless something crazy happens. So I, I like him at that ADP. Elvis Anders is a late shot. Um is in play because I, I agree. I could see a, a replication or at least close to last season. Obviously, not as crazy, but pretty solid year there for Chicago. And then Luis Garcia of Washington as a as a, a long shot late, don't hate him at like a 310 ADP. Second base shortstop eligibility, really good bagging average asset. The power looks like it could continue to be developing. So there is a little little something there, but uh we'll see how that plays out as well. All right. We got a listener question. I believe it's only one. I'll double check, but uh we got one for the show, and it comes from uh William Conklin, Toby. Um a few months have passed. Who's a middle infielder and or relief pitcher that you have changed your opinion on for the better? And who's one that you changed your opinion on for the worse?
2: Mm, me, relief pitcher and middle infielder?
1: And, and or. It could be just one or the other.
2: I mentioned Wander is the one that's kind of changed negatively for me, I guess. You know, going from, like, the guy that I thought I'd be um, all over to somebody that I'm not all that interested in um, at this point. Again, I could go after him, but um, the spreadsheet says no. Um, I think Baez is somebody that I've gotten more interested in um, as the kind of draft season has progressed. Um, again, if you wait a long time, like, you know, he like you mentioned, he's kind of like there's a little bit of a cliff after him. So he's somebody who's moved up a little bit in my eyes. Um, and then, yeah, so I answered
1: the first part of that question, right? Yep. You, you answered yeah. the whole question. Okay, now I gotta do. I gotta do relief pitchers, right? No, it was it was Andor. You don't have to do both if you don't want to. It's up to you. Oh,
2: um, I don't know if there's really like anybody that's moved all that dramatically
1: in For the me relief it's Camilo pitchers. I'm, I'm, I'm all out on Duvall. I was in on him early. I'm out on him now. So yeah, that's a hundred percent a shift in my liking uh, at reliever. I don't know if there's anybody else that stands out to you because they kind of all feel the same for the most part to me. Mm-hmm. Um, middle infield, though, the biggest thing for me, I guess, is pretty much out on Jazz Chisholm, which really hurts to say. Which really hurts wow. to say. So that that's one. Me, that's it, meaningful. Yeah. If he, if he were to some, if the ADP were to fall to like round four ish, I'd be a little better about it. Maybe at barf on the three, four turn if he falls, I'll be more in, interested. But well, don't don't tell me that. No, I, I know fine. you're just playing me.
2: I know you're just playing me now. You're like, oh, yeah, I'm yeah. going to go for uh, Jazz Chilsum at that uh, three, four turn with you drafting right next to me on either side. Uh, that's well, what I'm going to go for. It. I really don't like him, but I might go that direction.
1: Over his last two or last two weeks, his ADP is anywhere between thirty one and fifty-six. I don't mind it closer to the fifty-six side of thing. There's no way I'm going towards the thirty-one side of things with Jazz Chisholm. That's that's the conundrum. And then another player that I'm a little more interested in, I still haven't gone all in, but I'm starting to dig in more and potentially take some chances on is O'Neal Cruz. Because I can see the ceiling with O'Neill Cruz. There's also a very large pit, a floor. With O'Neill Cruz, but I I definitely see the appeal with O'Neill Cruz that could be a game changer type deal. Super young guy that could figure it out. So, a little more interested in him than I was before because I was completely all out at one point in time. So, we'll see. Anybody else that stands out to you that has shifted your opinion a lot?
2: No, I don't think so. There's not like a ton of relief pitcher ones. So, yeah.
1: All righty. Then, final thoughts, Toby, on our relief pitchers and middle infielders as we move on to the outfield next week.
2: Um, yeah, I mean, my only thought is like you forgot to say the comment about how uh, can I go two minutes without mentioning the, mentioning the spreadsheet um, from Pete Christensen, right?
1: Yep. DC got you. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. D-
2: he got me. Um, so. As an honorary, in honor of, of that of that tweet, um, I'm going to have a podcast at the end of this uh, draft season where I go through my entire spreadsheet from player one all the way to player 1500. And that's all I'm going to do is say player's name. Where I have them ranked, how value much value. money and then where their ADP is and then what the value difference is. Yeah, so I'm just going to do that and it'll be the Pete Christensen on, honorary podcast. Um, I'm going to invite him on to join me. So it'll
1: be fun. Oh, that'd be amazing. He has compare notes for all 1500 players. That'd be, that'd be so good. So, so good. Well, uh, I hope I, you guys. But enjoyed- I do,
2: I do want somebody to create a, a bot that's called Toby's spreadsheet and it, Toby's spreadsheet bot. And it just puts out, um, you know, projected pay, player valuations and, you know, what their adp value
1: don't is. don't, don't tempt don't tempt twitter like these boys uh, these guys will figure I it know. out it could be great i think draft cheats already working on one as we speak so let's Sounds not let's good. not worry about that right hey now. we're all going to be replaced by
2: artificial intelligence at some point in time right so might as well it's lean into coming. it
1: yeah we, we should all enjoy it and while we can draft before you can't so uh have fun in all those regards uh next time i talk to you or in person will be this saturday it's hopefully in san francisco barring the crazy weather we talked about earlier. But that should be a blast, the rec room. If anybody's out there and wants to come hang out, the rec room, starting draft at noon on Saturday. Come on down. It'll be fun. Um, But other than that, we'll be get back with your outfield review preview next week, which should be a fun one because that's had uh, some moving parts with injuries and whatnot over the last few weeks, and a guy named Jordan Walker has been quite the big deal. Might have to talk about him as well. So check out Toby on Twitter at bat flip crazy. I'm at media This was Bubba the Bat Flip episode 149. Catch you all next time.